Ezra 6, let's start reading in verse 13. Then, according to the word sent by Darius the king, Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar, Bozani, and their associates did with all diligence what Darius the king had ordered. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. They finished their building by decree of the God of Israel and by decree of, Dur of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. And the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the, of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their division and the Levites in their divisions and for the service of God at Israel as it is written in the book of Moses. <clears throat> then, just kind of, says, summarize, go back. What, what have they done? Then, after Darius, after the, 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 the second wave of opposition in building the temple, remember they, they went back to Jerusalem, they, they built the altar, began making sacrifices, laid down the foundation, and, and, and some of those people who were living there came down from, from Samaria and said, let us help, and they said no. They began to discourage the people. So work stopped on building the temple for about 16 years. <clears throat> what happened? The people just finally decided they would rebuild. No, God sent two prophets. God initiated this. We, 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 it's, it's one, maybe it seems minor, but we need to remember God started this work. God, God renewed this work just like he does our salvation, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they, they, they eat of the forbidden fruit, then they hide. They don't go to God. God comes to them. And, and, and since then, God has been coming to us trying to reestablish, renew that relationship, give us that opportunity. And so God sent the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, and they begin building again. What happens? Satan opposes that work. And, and he, he, he sends, he, he puts it in the head of the governor, the governor of the province beyond the river, Tatanai, to, to, to stop the work. And, it, and he's not as aggressive as that first group. He says, okay, why are y'all building? Who said you could build? What are your names? You know, we need to make sure this is legitimate. And so they, they send a, a, a letter to Darius, the king, and, and he, begin, he, he issues a decree saying, find out if Cyrus really authorized this work. They begin looking. They can't find anything in Babylon, the city of Babylon. In many cases, uh, uh, people would give up, but, but they didn't give up. God moved the heart of Darius to send people to other the other capital cities, They're, it's not really capitals, but, but cities where the king would reside. And, and they find in Ekb what is it? Ekbatana, in, in media, this, this copy of the decree. And, it, and it's more than just a, a, a letter for letter copy, it's, it's, 
it's, it's, it's a record that kind of even provides more details than, than what Ezra recorded in chapter 1. And it says, you're to go back and, and build the, 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 the temple. And we're going to help pay for it. And it's to be this big. They find that decree and, 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 and send it back to Darius, word of, of what it says. And Darius says, let them alone. Let them build. So they, they begin building again. That's what we, we, we take up in, in verse 13. Then, after they get that word from Darius that, it's, that, that, yes, Cyrus decreed this, then according to the word sent by Darius, they begin rebuilding. And how do they do it? They're in, in, at the end of verse 13 with all diligence. Sometimes you just got to go back to the King James just to get, it says speedily. Good point. So it's, it's, it's not like storing it at the desert where everything is going to melt. And which makes, and that's where the king would go. Uh, Ekbatana was was where the the kings would spend the summers. You want to be in Baghdad, or do you want to be up in the mountains? And they chose that. So they the 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 record was preserved. Why would Cyrus send it there? I mean, they want to preserve these records, but, but you can, I mean, that's a good point. You can also see the hand of God in working and having somebody send that record. Well, this is not important. This is just for the Jewish people. But it was God's chosen people. And so he, he, he arranged for them to take this up there in the mountains where it can be stored and, and safely preserved. So they, they begin working. All of the, the elders... It's almost like they pitched in, and, and, and one commentary said that's like, well, you can't really tell by the verbiage, the words, but it, but it makes you think they even worked on it. Everybody was excited about this, about getting the temple rebuilt. Why? They've been without it for 70 years. Now, they've been sacrificing those 16 years, but, but they still haven't had the temple since Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. And it says that they built it and they, and they prospered. Now, you could pull that one word out of there, and somebody's probably done it, and say, well, it, you know, you, you do this and you're going to prosper. And you could write a whole book on, you know, okay, how to prosper. But what, is it, what does it say that how they prospered or what caused them to prosper or in what manner did they prosper? Okay, take your pick. Any of those three you can, you can answer. They prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. They prospered through the, the preaching of God's word. That they came and said, thus says the Lord. It's not necessarily that they prospered in a uh, monetary sense or a physical sense, though they probably did, but they prospered in a spiritual sense. Which one is really more important? I mean, on Sunday morning, it's spiritual, right? On Monday morning, what is it? And you're just kind of like, well. 
and the government paid them to, to build it. So they're prospering in, in, a, in a financial sense, but, but also I think primarily they, they're prospering in a spiritual sense. And, it, and if we're, if, what's the right word, honest? If we're thinking as we should, we, we should, what is the, the, the old guy said, if you had your druthers, you'd druther prosper spiritually, if, if we're thinking a, as we should. What would you call this whole thing? This is like, guess what I'm thinking. What would you call this whole thing, this whole rebuilding of the temple? Okay, it starts with an R. And revival. Very good, Don. I'm not sure it's good for you to think like I think, but this, is this not a revival, a renewal? Do we ever want revival? A renewal? In, in, do we want it in our own personal lives? Or do we want it in somebody else's life or our church, or all of the above. All of the above. So, so look and see what they have done, what they have done or what someone has done. Look and see what God has done to bring about this revival. Patience. It's exactly right, and it, it's in God's time. They 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 were in Baghdad, not Baghdad, Babylon, for decades, and and then that seventy years is is complete, and they and they go back, and it's kind of interesting. They <clears throat> the first group of captives went in about six hundred five B.C. And, it, and it's about 70 years after that that they go back to the Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., and it's about that 70 years after that, 515, we're in, we're in 515 B.C. now, that the temple is rebuilt. It's kind of like both. You know, it's 70 years from the time that first wave of captives was taken to Babylon but it's also 70 years after the temple was destroyed that it's rebuilt. And Jeremiah had prophesied that. And it's like the patience, but also the, 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 the repentance that, that, that many of them had. Notice these, the, the elders and, and all of the people are in, involved in building this. But as I said, God initiated it. So what's the first step? that God used to bring about this revival? The prophets. How would we, how would we apply that? How would we see that today? God sending prophets? Okay, I know we're Baptists and so that might. It's His Word. The prophet said, thus saith the Lord. The prophet spoke God's word. So what is the first thing 
God's going to use His Word to bring about revival, whether it's in our lives or in the life of, of, of our church, is, is His Word, the preaching of His Word, Bible study, um, and, and getting into His Word. So they finished their work. And then what happened? After they finished their work, they celebrated. And how did they celebrate? And it's almost, it's almost a no-brainer, but they, they, they add it. Ezra adds it to his right. They celebrated with joy. But not with drinks, but not with drinks like, yeah, <laughs> like Esther, which is in between chapter 6 and chapter 7. They celebrated with, with joy. I mean, you've been away. Some of these people who build this, they've never seen the temple. In fact, probably most of them had never seen the temple. Many of them, their parents had not seen the temple. Maybe even some of their, their grandparents had not seen the, 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 the Solomon's original temple. And so they, 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 they finished the temple. They celebrated with joy. And they, 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 they had this a dedication ceremony. 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs. If you go back to... 1 Kings chapter 8, I think it is, you, you see Solomon's list of what they sacrificed when the first temple was dedicated. One of the mathematician commentaries says it's 200 times bigger what Solomon sacrificed than what they sacrificed here. Do they care? No. They, 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 they sacrifice and give to the Lord what they can. It's like the, the widow's might, the story of the widow's might. They, they gave what, what they could and they still celebrate. It's like God has blessed us this much. It's, it's, a, it's a much smaller population. Only 50,000 went back compared to Israel at their zenith after the time of David and during the time of Solomon when their land uh, mass is, is at its a biggest point that the kingdom is rich, but then through centuries of, of, of sin and unfaithfulness and disobedience to God, they, they have fallen, but now they, they celebrate uh, as they can with joy. When did they celebrate? When it was finished. The third day of the last month, right? month of Adar, which is January, February. It's the last month of their, of their religious year, not their, uh, what's the opposite of, like, physical year, um, which is real confusing. But they celebrated when it was finished. Okay, think about that for a minute. When it was finished, they celebrated do we have anything at all similar to that in, in our beliefs, in our, in, our, in our practice, our practice of faith? Easter, 
Why? It's completed. It's finished. How about every Sunday? It it's it's finished. What did like Jesus' last words on on the cross? It is finished. That that man's redemption atonement was finished when he when he died on the cross, and so we celebrate. Every week, yeah, Easter is the is the is the biggie. We're reminded just because it's the it's the time of year, but that we that we should be reminded the first day of every week that it's finished. There's nothing else that needs to be done. No more sacrifices, and we celebrate on on the third day when he rose from from the dead. That that we celebrate in the same way. The celebration continues. So this is the last month, Adar, when they have this dedication. So the first month begins their new religious calendar of, of uh, feasts. Let's see what they, how, how they continue there. On the 14th day of the first month, the returned exiles kept the Passover. Notice he calls them the returned exiles. Some translations, I think, Let's call them the, the children of captivity. That it's, it's, it's kind of different than the children of Israel. That, that many times we read when Israel is occupying the land, back when, when Joshua led them in, when Moses led them out of, out of Egypt, it was the, the children of Israel. Now it's the returning captives. It reminds them, those first readers of we're, we're, we're the returning captives. God has brought us back. And they celebrate the Passover, which is really very uh, similar to what they have just experienced, that, that Moses led them out of bondage. And here, uh, you know, going back to, to when, they, when, when, when Ezra made, uh, when Cyrus made the decree and, and they returned to uh, to, to Jerusalem with Sheshbazzar and, and Jeshua and the others that led them back. They celebrate the, the Passover. For the priests and Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for the returned exiles, for their fellow priests and for themselves. It was, written by, it was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and also everyone who had joined them and separated himself with uncleanness of the people, peoples of the land to worship the Lord God of Israel. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them so that they aided them, so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. So they celebrated Passover. After Passover is, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Just, just the, the next day it begins for, for seven days. And, and they, they celebrated these, these, these feasts as according to the word written by Moses. Don't skim over that part of as according to the word written by Moses. What does that really mean? Or is there an application to that? They didn't come up with their own means of, of, 
of, of worship, they went back to the source, to what God had told them by Moses, the deliverer, the prophet, on how they were to worship him. Notice that it says all of the priests were clean. There were times before in a time of, of, of Hezekiah, uh, you can find it in 2 Chronicles 30, where they, it was time for the Passover, but there weren't enough priests who had, who had purified themselves to perform the Passover. And they had to bring in Levites to sacrifice the, the, the lamb. But now all of the priests have purified themselves and made them clean. They have gone back to what? They've gone back to the word. What is, if God's calling us for revival, what is the first thing we need to do? We, we need to return to his word and see what his word says and, and, and be in his word and, and follow his word. So they did this, but... Notice who joined them. I don't know how to segue this. Um, Notice who joined them. Was it just exclusively the Jews who had returned to Jerusalem? It says no. Also, everyone who joined them and had separated himself from uncleanness of the peoples of the land. Some of the people living there had seen how they were living, how they were rejoicing, how they were celebrating, and they joined them. The group is growing. It's, it's, it's non-Jewish people who are converting to worshiping Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that the church is growing because of the, the, the impact that, that they're having on their community. You know, when you read in, in chapter uh, 3, and, and the, the people of the land came, down, came and, and asked him, let us help, and they said no. You almost get the idea that they're being, uh, I don't know, snooty or, you know, no, 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 we don't want you, you're, you're not Jewish. That's not the case. They, they knew that those people who were asking them to join were worshiping other gods. So they're keeping true to the word. They're not changing anything. And now many of the, the people of the land, those who some of them are, have, have Jewish blood in them, in a few years they're going to officially be called Samaritans. It's, 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 it's at the time when... The, when that group is, is coming about, but, but that they're, they're, they're joining them because of the influence of the people. Is there anything that we can glean from that? And in Acts chapter 1, what is it, chapter 1, verse 8, where he says, you know, you're going to be my witnesses. Where? Okay, remember, this is an old uh, what, Bible drill, but from memory. 
Or you can turn and you can look. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then where? Some Judea. Oh, I was going to get it wrong. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and the uttermost parts of the, of, the, of, the, of the earth. So Samaria, you know, first they're reaching out to them. What is, you know, it's like in my house and then my neighbors and then on and on and on and on. And so it is, it's, it's, it's very much like what, what Jesus told the disciples right before, as Luke records kind of, you know, uh, his, his version of the, um, of the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Not, not what is it, but what are the words of the Great Commission? Did I? But I forgot. <laughs> okay, so it's Matthew's version that we're probably, you know, more familiar with and, and quote more often, you know, says, and, and I love this. this was, I heard this from an evangelist years and years ago. You know, what are the first five words of the Great Commission? And, and you're going to get it wrong. <laughs> Because it was a trick question. All power and authority is given to me. It's more than five words. You know, that it's based on what? Christ's authority as God. Then he says, go, which is really a participle. Remember English? No, I don't. It means as you go, as you go, as you live, while you're living, as you're going about your 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 daily life, and then the only imperative in the Great Commission is make disciples. As you are going, make disciples. And then another participle, baptizing them. And then the one that I think it's finally sinking in, it's like, oh, we, we forget this part, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. So we're to make disciples, we're to baptize them as, a, as an illustration and as a, as a testimony to their faith in Jesus, but then we're also supposed to teach them all that I have commanded you. Teach them. How many times does it come back to the Word? That it, that it comes back to, to, to what God has given us, that that's what starts revival, and it's because He gave it to us. Teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And then here again, we see them celebrating with joy. But notice the source of the joy. What's this? Who is the source of the joy? The Lord. The Lord made them joyful. And he had turned the heart of the king. You know, that's what we... Maybe we don't, we certainly, we're going to come back to joy. We have to focus on he had turned the heart of the king. If he can turn the heart of Darius, Cyrus before him, and Artaxerxes, notice that he mentions Artaxerxes, who is in the future from this. Artaxerxes doesn't really come in until chapter 7, which is about 80 years later. But he, I think Ezra includes that just to say, and, 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 He's going to do that again with this coming king. But that if, if God can turn, it's not really an if-if, 
God can turn the heart of a king. Can he turn the heart of a president, of a congress, of a, of a nation? Yes. Darius wanted their, them to go back and build this so that the people would pray for him. So it's, 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 sometimes they, they say, well, you know, we gripe about everything, but we don't do anything to change it. God can change the heart of any leader. God can change the heart of a, of a, of a husband, a father, of a wife, a, a daughter, a son, who, whoever it is. And God has changed and can change the heart of a president, of a speaker of the house, of a, you know, you, you just put your name, you know, whoever you want in there. But we're compelled to pray for that. And I think, I think it kind of clicked in my brain last week that, you know, sometimes there's leaders that we, we're more inclined to pray for than others. You know, we may pray about them, but not for them. You know, that, that we need to constantly be in prayer for our, for our leaders. But God made them joyful. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Is it is or are? It's kind of, it's, 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 it's are, but it's is. Because it's singular, the fruit of the Spirit is, and then Paul lists these things there in, in, in Galatians 5. It's all of these things. Okay, so if it is the fruit of the Spirit, it's the Spirit working in me, Who's producing it? The Spirit. Does that mean that I'm probably not going to produce those things by myself? I think it pretty much does. And that may be a shock. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm joyful. What's the difference between being joyful and being happy? A world of difference. But what is it? <laughs> It's overflowing. What page is Galatians on? <clears throat> Did you hear that? Joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. So can we be joyful without the Spirit working in us? I'm, it's going to depend on my circumstances if it comes down to me. And circumstances, and I don't know if people are included in circumstances, like who you're around or who's bothering you at the time. or But that the Spirit working in us produces these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things. It's all of those things, but they're one. It's the fruit. You don't get to just pick You know, it's not like you go over here and there, here's a plum tree and I'm getting one plum and here's a peach tree, I'm getting a peach or what. what it's the fruit that the, the Spirit produces all of those things within us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And what is the source? The Spirit. 
And just, just like Paul writes centuries later, God gave them joy as they're celebrating this revival, this renewal, the, the temple being, uh, being rebuilt. And it, it's based on his word, what, what, what Moses had written, the instructions of this is how you're to, this is how you're to, to worship. What do we celebrate with joy? Or do we celebrate with joy that we're going to eat? <laughs> oh, yeah, I had that on the back. <laughs> okay, this side of the room. <laughs> do we... Do we come together as a body of believers with the attitude that we're celebrating the resurrection and, and God has given us that, that joyful feeling? Why should we celebrate the resurrection with a, joy, with a joyfulness? In a hundred words or less. Because God has redeemed us. That there was nothing we could do. How often did they have to sacrifice? Every day. They, they would do a morning sacrifice and evening sacrifices. And then through the year, all these other sacrifices. The Passover lamb. Notice they had... They, they sort of jumped ahead, but it was, it was, it was okay in this sense when they, when they sacrificed the 12 male goats, which would actually be later in the year in the seventh month of Tishri, the Day of Atonement, and they'd send out that, that scapegoat, but that they, they sacrificed for the 12 male goats for the, uh, for, the, for the nation, for the 12 tribes. There are no lost tribes of, of Israel. That's sort of a, a myth. Uh, but we don't have to do that. We, we can have reconciliation with God because it is finished. The, the work of our salvation is finished. That should allow the Spirit to create that joy in our lives, in our, in our attitudes. But not just on Sunday... But every day, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have to go to the temple and, 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 and sacrifice God. Who supplied the animals for their sacrifice? Remember, this is only last week. The, the king, in the first part, the king supplied the sacrifice. Who supplied our sacrifice? The king of kings. The, the holy lamb, the one pure lamb of God was sacrificed so that our sins may be covered, blotted out. We're going to jump ahead about, I don't know, 75 years maybe. I'll have, to look, I'll have to check. Chapter 7, there's a gap between chapter 6 and chapter 7. It's... Uh, 
If you want to find out what's going on, go back and read Esther. Esther happens between chapter 6 and chapter 7. Um, but but they we're going to see another group of exiles return, this time not to rebuild the temple, but to rebuild the, the city and, and the walls. So we'll, we'll begin chapter 7 next week. But what else do you see or anything else you want to point out about chapter 6? Their, their celebration with, with joy that came from the Lord. And continues to do. Did I don't I mean, did they have any more pressing things than we do? I mean, no. They 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 if you ask somebody in Jerusalem in what is this, the sixth century BC, are you busy? What we it's like, oh man, I'm just I'm chasing my tail all the time. I'm just busy, busy, busy. Ain't ain't people have John. Say it again. The, I mean, the, what are we to do? They separated themselves. They returned. They returned. They separated themselves. They seek the Lord. They celebrate with joy. And rejoice with joy. There you go. It's, it's, it's the gospel. Has it changed? Isn't it sort of like, oh, well, I didn't know the Old Testament had the gospel in it. It's full of the, the gospel. Thank you. What, what else? Another thing that popped in is because we recognize the situation is not always great. Uh, but what helps me is to not only be joyful, but be anxious. I find that our current society doesn't, in general, not <coughs> around the church necessarily, but remembering to be thankful even when the circumstances And I think that's part of being joyful as as being being thankful. I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'll be thankful on Thanksgiving Day. It's like one day a year. What what more could anybody ask? But that we should be, you know, joyful and 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 thankful every day. Thank you. Well, let's pray and then. Um, if you want to find out what the announcement is, everybody bomb Carla. Father, we thank you that Jesus came and sacrificed himself on the cross to atone for our sins. 
that he is our Passover lamb. God, may we return to you. May we look to your word for that spirit of revival, that renewal that we can find only in you. And God, may we not stifle the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives, but that we might be fertile soil for that fruit of the Spirit, that we might demonstrate to others that, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that you change lives. God, may each and every day, may we have that, that, that joyfulness that surrounds us, the love and peace, but also that we could con convey thankfulness and praise to you in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes, sir.